Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we are back for the second half of the DC Conspiracy Arc. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, this is where th the action picks up a little. There was a lot of table setting last week. Now we're actually getting into it. Uh, Mike, no, not Mike. Oh my God, Uncle Mike and uh, Vinny have gone off to uh, Utah to check out this uh, old military supply depot that supposedly the money was shipped from. And on the way there, we get some of the most awkward... Uh, <laughs> Like, the some of the most awkward exposition you will ever see on this show. Like, it is, it is embarrassing. Like, because it's, it's exposition that makes Vinny look like an idiot. You know, like, maybe, right? Maybe Leland Masters isn't famous, okay? I mean, he's, he's running the National Security Council. You'd think he would show up in the news from time to time, but okay. Let's accept the idea that Leland Masters isn't famous at all. And Vinny, you know, so Vinny's not really familiar with him or how he works, right? Okay, let's accept that. On what planet <laughs> is anyone not familiar with this world's version of Howard Hughes? Yes. How is it, that possible? This is what I said last week. No, but last week, no one, I mean... The idea uh, you've got a you've got a bad bit of writing in the idea that someone running a P Hill for um, like a Capitol Hill PR firm is getting lobbying a firm. Oh yes, a lobbying firm. Sorry, All right is going to accept a job from someone who has no idea who that person is and doesn't even have a first name. But yeah. that's what we were expected to believe. But now we're expected to believe that like a guy who you know, single-handedly ran the military-industrial complex <laughs> from the 1950s to the 1970s, like, mid-1960s, has completely disappeared from the mindset of the public to the point that Vinny has no idea who this is? No, that is, that is crazy. Like, you can't... And again, when he... Sh you know, spoiler alert, when he does show up, Everyone knows who this is. He's unbelievably famous. Everyone immediately understands the significance of him being there. Like, so, yeah, this exposition is awkward as hell. Like, the, the writers need us, the viewers, to know some stuff. And they can't find a way to do it elegantly. So they just do it in the most awkward way imaginable and hope we won't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. you know what, what, what's funny about it when we talk about things... Well, people today might not know, like people who are twenty years younger than you might have no slut, no no idea who Howard Hughes is. No, unless they're particular types of buffs, or they right. really but, love Leonardo DiCaprio because he was in a Howard Hughes movie one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Air the Aviator. Aviator, yes, wasn't yeah. very good. But no, anyway. no, no, no. Anything like a anything that portrays him as a rich dilettante who had nothing but bad ideas is a dishonest film. Because <laughs> yeah. that's all Howard Hughes was. A rich dilettante who had nothing but bad ideas. Well, you know, did that he had lots... But he did invent stuff, and he did steal We did stuff. invent stuff. He did invent... Right. You know, I'm not going to claim he didn't invent some things, but just generally, 
all of the ideas he had himself weren't very good and didn't accomplish much. He just, yeah. he was just one of guy, those guys who collected a lot of money off of the government. But anyway, I'm not here to badmouth Howard Hughes. Like, no, no. And it, yeah, and don't bad, bad, but in this particular time frame, yeah. Howard Hughes is still, because I, you would still hear about him. Of and course. his craziness in the hotel. Oh, yeah. Because he basically lived in Las Vegas. Yeah. In a Specifically, hotel. He lived it he took he owned hotels in Vegas and he took lived in the penthouse in one of them and of one of them and he never left. Because that way you couldn't sue him. The way I, I know this sounds crazy, but the way lawsuits work in America is, and if you don't know this, yay. Uh, works this way in Canada, too. It's essentially a game of tag. Like, yeah. literally, if you don't hand a lawsuit to somebody and say you're being sued, you're not suing that person. Yeah. You know? I know it sounds weird, but that's that's true. And so Howard Hughes essentially lived at the top of a hotel so that he could never get sued. Because no yeah. one could, no one who didn't work for him ever got up to the tor top floor of the hotel. Yeah. And that gets brought up. Here, you know, oh, good yeah. luck serving me a subpoena. Exactly. He fully right? mentions um, it. Except the difference here is this guy lives in a much more awesome place than the actual Howard Hughes did. Yeah, well, and as I said, I mean, and there was always these lines whether he was even still alive. and Yeah, there was, whether lookalikes were, they had a lookalike up there and it was just fake signatures on things. And then there's the time he disappeared out in the desert. And yeah. yeah and there was that famous fake butt fake my 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 relationship with howard hughes that was the 80s and that any that nobody would know who this guy is in this world is oh, just yeah. insane crazy yeah no no no. like particularly it's prescott wilson seems to be a hell of a lot more normal oh yeah than howard hughes ever was oh yeah no howard hughes was much crazier than this guy <laughs> like there's well, no had, there's basically no comparison and Howard Hughes had a compulsive disorder and yeah. he was a germaphobe. So oh, yeah. I mean, that just, that made it very, very clear and very problematic. Even the women that he was involved with. Oh God. Know, talked yeah. about this and everybody knew it. And of course, because he never treated it, it got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So yeah. it was, it, yes, it, there were all sorts of stories and God only knows if What's you want a tiny time? window, if you want to know a tiny window into the kind of person Howard Hughes was in his personal life, uh, there's this movie called The Philadelphia Story. <laughs> and this is this what I'm about to tell you is absolutely true. So he was going to uh, going to get married right to uh, Catherine Hepburn. Now, what you got to understand about Catherine Hepburn is she is a she was a level of wasp that basically denotes you as American royalty in certain circles. Whereas he was a, he was new money from Texas. Okay. Whose dad made it rich in the oil fields and he was a spoiled brat. Right. Uh, and then died and he was a mama's boy and a spoiled brat. And so he went to her house to in, you know, Nantucket or wherever to meet her family one weekend. And it went so badly that essentially the engagement was called off. And, you know, a year later, 
or two years later, she's talking to one of her New York theater friends about this and this, you know, joking about how badly this weekend left. And he's like, can I write a play about that? And that play is the Philadelphia story. <laughs> yeah, you got to go see it. It is very It's funny. a very good movie. Like, it's a very funny movie. But yes, it is. It is literally... So the story of her disastrous relationship with Howard Hughes. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean it is it is it is fascinating. Yeah. Um and of course with the Marvel universe's Howard Hughes is Iron Man. Yep, that's true. Yeah. And right from the start, he was Tony Stark. Uh, Tony Stark, yeah, Tony Stark right from the start was developed as Howard Hughes. And so that's why his dad now, you know, that he's been aged up uh, his dad is Howard Stark for that exact reason. I mean, the yeah. whole uh, the whole Agent Carter show, all of the best stuff is the guy a guy playing a really exaggerated version of Howard Hughes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Howard no, Hughes I mean... so famous that they keep making they like made fiction about him, and one of the most popular fictional characters existing today is a fake version of Howard Hughes. Yeah. So, so yeah. About... Yes. So anyway, to bring it back uh, to our point that we started making 20 minutes ago, the idea that anyone doesn't know who Howard Hughes is in this world is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> I just I, know, I mean it, it is just so awkward in finding the and they know that that they're being led through all of this. Yeah. You know, um you know, and there you have uh Briggs taking all these photographs yep of them because they go out to his warehouse right and then they drive out to uh, they go to his warehouse and they search there and then they go to his uh and then they go to his mountain which is you know a couple hundred miles away and somehow Vinny has gotten a change of clothes yes i know i, I I'm like how did no one notice this like how I have quickly, no idea because he drove straight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the impression you are given from the end of the scene where he and Dan are at the uh, at the, the what do you warehouse. Call it? The warehouse is they're going to go straight to see there, but now Vinny has suddenly changed into his greaser outfit. What what is happening? And and as far as I'm concerned, why would Prescott Wilson be willing to listen to him? I know. But I mean, yeah, it's bonkers. It's Although, bonkers. It is. But I mean, two FBI agents showing up at your door talking about masters uh, and he's listing in on it. I get why he at least takes the meeting. And then Kay shows up and gets in on the meeting with Vinny. And so they meet him halfway up oh, the mountain. Yeah. And we yeah, get Kay's a, uh, their first creating a fuss. Exactly. Talk about it. Talk I about know. It. <laughs> I know. Well, again. There's a lot about her character that is deeply problematic, <laughs> which so we'll get to in a minute. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, they, they didn't know what they were doing with her. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, so she goes, right, uh, Kay goes and talks and asks about the letter. And he's like, I didn't send you a letter. I don't use cashier's checks. Next. And that is all he's willing to say to her. And so yeah. then he goes talk to Vinny and Vinny lays out the whole plan. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that Leland Masters would do something like this. He's always been a coward and a scumbag, but I'm not leaving the mountain. I don't care. This doesn't involve me. Don't you care about America? 
I, know. I care about I care about my land. Yep. This land. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it's this awful libertarian dream of getting so rich that you just go off and buy a section of America and never have to deal with anybody else. Yeah. Go to until the you know. Until you know the moment you need medicine. And then libertarianism kind of falls apart. Oh, yes, that's pretty the quickly. I ran, but yep. Um, what happens? But the one good thing that comes from all of this is that the deputy sheriff is a plane watcher. Yep. And he actually saw the plane, and he actually got the tail number of yeah. the plane. Now they find out eventually what the tail number is, who, what, like what plane it is, and yeah. I'm going. Did nobody know that? Well, no. What you got to remember is they would have been flying it under a fake tail number at the time, right? To move it safely because they couldn't risk someone running through the numbers at, uh, as it moved from airport to airport and being like, oh, this plane is owned by the government in a stolen, like was seized by the government in a stolen, uh, sorry, in a, an asset forfeiture situation. Like they didn't want that. So we have to presume the tail number he got is a fake. And they do assume that because they look around just based on the paint of it, like how it's painted, because the tail number might be fake and they could change that, but they're not going to repaint the whole plane. Right. And so they have to go based. They have to go looking for it entirely based on its appearance, specifically that the um, the, the entire bottom side of the plane, all of the windows are blacked out, which is fairly unusual for a C-130 is what we wow. are told. Yes. And but what I would still say that that was blacked out before. Oh, yeah. They were That's using it. It wasn't blacked out for them to use it. I'm like, like, I'm just going, this is Mel Prophet's plane. It Did is, nobody yeah. ever fly in it? Did nobody ever? Well, no, I mean, I don't, um, I don't I know don't that know. Vinny ever did, because you got to remember, this isn't like one of the private jets. This is a C-130 that you use to load up oh, with okay. tens of thousands of, you know, pounds of munitions and fly it to Belize or whatever, you know, wherever they need the tanks. Uh, Vinny never actually would have done that. Roger would have recognized it immediately. Because yeah. Roger had supervised that kind of stuff, but you know, Vinny never would like would never would have been on this plane. Okay, right. But the point is, they now have a description of a plane, and all they can think to do then, literally, the only move they've got is call around and hope we can find it. Because the one piece of information they have, right, is that this plane is trying to get yen to Japan. Yeah. Meaning, by definition, it has to be somewhere right now between here and Japan. And it has to be sitting and waiting because, as they say, until the trade bill passes, they can't start the releasing the money. Because if the trade bill is going to push to next year, well, then they're kind of screwed. Yeah. yeah. And then on the plane trip back, uh, we get a scene with uh, Kay. Kay, where she proves to be just the least stable and functional person in the world. And this is why this is such a frustrating character. You can't believe someone who has gotten to where she is. Like, is this completely unprepared that a political scheme would wind up targeting her? Like, that's just... It, 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 it flaws you. It, it, and yeah. of course, the only thing they're doing is setting up what happens in the next episode. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Right? Because that's the only thing they're doing. She tells this story about her mother and how her mother wrote all these stories about these big, powerful people. Yeah. And, and then, you know, her, you know, and then she fell after the third novel, fell into this deep depression. And and, and, and her schizophrenia that. was revealed. And she was, you know, as she said, she said, started to feel that the characters were controlling her. And I mean, it's a nice little speech and it's supposed to parallel what Kay's gone through in her life. Because the idea is as, as a lobbyist, you're controlling, you know, you're manipulating powerful people. That's what lobbyists do. But of course, really, she's the one being manipulated. So it is, the story she tells is a one-to-one -one analog for what's going on with her. But at the same time, it's what it's really they're doing, as you say, is to establish that there's a family history of schizophrenia. And no, or suicide. Well, yes, it's suicide. Schizophrenia. Suicide. She doesn't yes. become schizophrenic. She doesn't. No. She, but she is having this mental mental breakdown. Pro mental breakdown. Exactly. Yeah, and, and her I'm mother, not sure that yeah. her mother had schizophrenia. She never says that. Well, no, but when you start imagining that characters you've characters. written are controlling you, that sounds a lot like various presentations well, yeah. of schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah, but you know, a lot of writers. You will listen to a lot of writers talking about You're how, right. I'm not going to say it's a completely unheard of thing. No. And the deep depression, yeah, fine. You know, because she lives in this this world, but the world is starting to take over yeah. her reality. Yeah. And yes, there's something going on there. Yes. Um, and it, it, But it's not clear what it is. It's just that she fell into a deep depression and committed suicide. Yes. And, uh, you know, but but this K character, it's so hard to believe that. I mean, even her running off to Prescott Wilson's place. Yeah. Was yeah. just like bizarro. Yeah. You know, and, they, and they're, they're talking about how, yeah, well, you could manipulate her because you knew how fragile she is. Well, if she was that friggin fragile. How is she, she in the position she's be, in? Yeah. She would not be the CEO of the biggest lobbying firm in Washington. Well, and what They're, I want to understand is, and this no is way. again the limited imagination and scope of the show, is how does nobody work for Kay? How does she have no employees? Yeah. You know? Well, there's the one guy. But my point is my point is, it's like, why does she, she run off to Utah on her own? I know. Like it, it makes it may it has never made any sense to me that she runs off to Utah on her own. You know, like, it, I just don't get it. On a regular airplane. On a regular airplane. Why doesn't she the, have access to... To a private jet. There's no way this character doesn't have access to a private jet. She's making scads of money. Yeah. The Japanese pay her an arm and a leg for yep. what she's doing. You well, know? No, it's and it's ridiculous. She's going... She's going you know, she falls apart. Yep. It, no, it, I mean, like, we have oh, often complained about this show's writing of female characters. And this is, I mean, it's not crazy to say that this is the worst one. Yeah, I, this is, this is, has always been the worst it's one. It's frustrating because, again, it's not just that she's poorly written and inconsistent. It's that that poorly written inconsistency, like, undercuts everything that the character is supposed to be. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the, and this is the rewrite is that she believes Vinny. Yeah. She believes, she ends up believing Vinny and then yeah. she works with Vinny. Oh yeah. 
rather than this, you know, I mean, when they're sitting on the, on the ski lift, you know, and she, well, no, and what else her. you can do, Jeez. you know, I know it's Lord. ridiculous, but he, you want to, you want to fix to make her more isolated, give her a friggin' partner at the firm who's bribed by all of these powerful people to sell her out and frame her for this. Because, like, the job they do of fr the framing her is so ridiculous and half-assed, it could never work. But if one of her partners at the firm were in on it, well, then, boom, suddenly it would actually make a lot more sense. And, yeah, it's going to destroy the firm, but he'll have an opportunity at another place after he destroys her, because that's how this kind of thing works. You know? Yes. You blow well, up your company. You yeah. The problem is you would need one or two more episodes to establish all of that. Yeah, this, well, and you really this is would. A fast episode. I mean, this is such a fast art. As I told you last time, we could have probably done this on one. Oh, in a way, yeah. I mean, because it's, again, so plot intensive. And so many times, uh, like, we set stuff up that never really pays off. Like, we keep going back. To, you know, my the wonderfully named DeWitt Clifton and his frustration, right, at being left out of this. But you know what? That never goes anywhere. No. It never I pays off. Hanging there. Yeah, it's just hanging there. That there's this guy who's running the, you know, who's and I cannot, technically and that... running the OCB and is frustrated that he's being sidelined and blah, 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 blah. And it, it never leads to anything. And he's a deputy attorney general. Yeah. And, you know, and you're sitting there going, okay, if he's this naive and everything else, how the hell did he get that high up? Yep. I'm sorry, but I mean, it's even. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean there are guys who are like there. Stereotype. Well, there are guys who are there just because they're good at, you know, cocktail parties in D.C. And I get that. But you have to have some awareness of the job you're doing on some level. Because he had he to work his way up. Exactly. To, you know, it, like it's even, this is not Donald Trump land yet. I know. Okay. They're not just putting We're, in people because they are sufficiently loyal to the God King. You know? Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but. Th it's this it's 1990. Really people still need to know how to do their job. Yeah. They still need to work their way up. Yep. You know, you hire the young Republican and he works his way up. Okay. Oh, absolutely. You know, because they, they join the right party when whatever. At the right time. Yeah. You know, but this, this idea of, uh, that, that he could somehow, like, there, there are so many problems with this arc. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no? And it's because it's so rushed. Like, yeah. if they had six episodes to actually tell this story properly... You, I think you'd have something here, but it they just have to race from plot point to plot point to plot point, right? So literally, they're they're driving home, and all we get is uh, the pictures get delivered to Admiral Strike, and who's happy about it. Dewitt Clifton comes back and complains some more. We find out that he puts that Strike, in, and this is the key part. The first time this is mentioned to us, he puts a. Uh, <laughs> He puts the the pictures in the same drawer with his folder marked Mel Profit. Yeah. So that's our little clue that something is going on uh, regarding Mel Profit. So there you go. That's then that's whose plane it is. I mean, you've already said it. It's not a spoiler anymore. Uh, right. It's it's interesting because they they still want to give us stuff. You know, they're still happy to give us stuff in advance, which I really like. 
And so then they go, the senator, right, uh, they go visit the senator saying, will you put a hold on this bill, right? Will you put a hold on this bill? Will you figure out some way to slow this down? And by the way, it is so wonderfully not na like naive feeling to look back at a day past where you needed 50 votes to pass, like all you needed was 50 votes to pass a bill. <laughs> Because that's what they're trying to do. They're spending the whole thing trying to get to 50 votes. And then, you know, Dan Quayle can break the tie. And well, no, it looks like no, because when they were in bed together, they talked about they had getting 52. to 51. Yeah. No, yeah, 51, they had 52. 52 and maybe maybe they would even have 53. Votes. Exactly. But that's my point. Like the the yeah. race was always to 50. And now nothing works in government, in American government, because Mitch McConnell does a uh, filibuster of everything all the time. And, uh, hell, I mean, this at this time, the, the we will... F okay, so the filibuster used to be you had to get there and keep talking to keep it going. And in the 1970s, to keep business in... Uh, like, to keep business moving and not waste a lot of time with filibusters, what happened was uh, basically any senator could phone up the president of the Senate and be like, yeah, uh, I'm going to do a filibuster on this bill, so don't bother bringing it up. And no one does. And that yeah. happened in the 70s. But nobody really abused it back. Well, I mean, some people abused it. That's always been some level of abuse with this thing. But it, generally, it was not massively abused. And now what has happened is that Mitch McConnell's whole revelation has been everything gets filibustered. Every single thing. If you can't deliver 60 votes, you don't pass a thing. And that is why the government doesn't function anymore. It is entirely down to one man abusing the system. Yeah, and well, that's that's I, a fact. And yes. the real question is going to be whether they get rid of the filibuster. Exactly. No. Um, anyway, uh, so to get back to all of this, I mean, our, our audience is probably going, you're all over the, we're all over. Well, we have to, because there's so little that happens in this episode. And, uh, and so this one, so Kay goes, Kay goes back and, um, you know, she's trying, she, she, just, she talks to her Japanese client and tells them she can't be their client anymore. I there. say, what? No, this yeah. is your solution. Cut yeah, your to cut your ties with the Japanese government. Yeah. Like, it, it's it, too little, too late, Kay. You know, this isn't going to help anything. You know, I mean, it, at this position and at this level, she's smarter than that. I know. She needs to have more moves than she does. And like the character. So, yeah. And yeah. And it's, it's, I'm not saying that the actress did a bad job of no. what she was given. It's the it's old. It's all story. the writing. It's the writing. It's, it's all the writing drop fi yeah. failing her here. Yeah. And so what happens, right? And, and we see strike, strike, striken, Admiral yeah. striken, um, Putting the uh, the with Vinny's Vinny's finger fingerprints, marks putting in a plate to send it to Kay's firm so it can be found. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it can yeah. be found at her place. Hiding it. Hiding. And so that's you know, and I and and it was wonderful for that mailroom boy who got his extra money because he yeah. got it works. <laughs> exactly. I, that's exactly what I thought. I mean, that, oh, one hundred percent. Through my mind, well, at least he got the extra money. Yeah, at least he got paid yeah. off to do something sinister. Uh, 
But meanwhile, they have actually found a plane matching the description because in addition to everything else, they have like the wheel distance and things like that. So they know the exact specifications of the plane and they know roughly how heavy it is. And somebody finds it on Guam and they're like, okay, well, let's go seize the plane. Uh, Do we have any federal agents on Guam? And all they have are two customs officers. (laughs) And so then this is a fun scene. Yeah, it is. And the poor guys, they don't want to have anything to do with this. They don't want to raid a plane. One guy has a gun. The other guy is perfectly happy to stay in Guam Guam forever. Like, I got a really good job here. I I live in a beautiful island and I just have to fill out paperwork for a living. (laughs) And now they got to go raid a plane. I know. But (laughs) it ends up working out because. accidentally shoots vernon briggs oh yeah because vernon although to be fair like they got lucky because vernon is busy securing all of the straps before they take off yeah and he has left his assault rifle at the front of the plane yeah next to the door they're entering and he's at the back of the plane but hell vernon goes for that gun if they hadn't accidentally shot him they might have winded up getting killed you know so they luck out they look out that the guy panics and shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> but then he's just like, I'm a Marine. <laughs> uh, and so our the heroic senator has, in fact, gone and decided to do a filibuster. So he's given a, you know, a nonsense speech about his life because, you know. He's going to tell the story of his life. Yeah. The story of how he met his wife, you know. <laughs> story of how he met his wife. He's doing the whole thing. But then he gets a note oh, saying... I'm sure everyone would love to hear the story of true love conquering (laughs) any obstacles. (laughs) But he gets the note, he finds out that the plane has been seized, and he passes along uh, the note to the president of the Senate, the vice president, and uh, says, we need to hold this off until tomorrow. Yeah, and so we need to do a secret meeting about the stuff I've just found out about. The president of the Senate sees what's on the paper and is like, oh, okay, yes, we absolutely do. Uh, has Vernon come in and, and, and no. back up? Uh, yeah. No, no, this is all next episode. That's all next, next episode. episode yeah. yeah, and so the end of this episode, right? Uh, the end of this episode is them going is uh Stryken and masters going in to talk to the attorney general with dewitt clifton there and they lay out that you know this oh. is all vinnie's plan and masters right it full-on says that they found out about the uh the attempt right and his first instinct was to go and interrogate vinnie but that vinnie you know lied and uh like uh as he says pulled a uh, a masterful scheme of pretending he thought he was there to uh investigate it and so strike no, no, that's, that's during the thing oh no yeah that's during the trial vinnie you're right screams, because vinnie screams at him you oh know, you're right because vinnie screams lying. at him about about how he's lying you're right no in this scene he uh he did they just lay out that all of the money, like all of the money being used to pay for this and all the resources are Mel Profit stuff. And the Mel Profit stuff was never fully accounted for all of his resources. So yes. this is something that only Vinny could have pulled off because only Vinny was the person who had access to it. And so the attorney general says, go arrest Vinny. And we're going to sort this out, but I need you to go arrest him. And he sends Frank 
to go arrest Vinny. So that's that's a bit of a rough one for Frank. But as he says, are you going to do it or am I going to send somebody else? Yeah. Like, so it's going to so get Frank done. Goes, and there's there's the scene with Vinny at the at the Jefferson Memorial. Oh, no, that's the start of the next episode. This episode literally ends with Frank being sent off to. Uh, <laughs> oh, OK, well, sent now off. The and then we're in episode. then we're starting the next one. Episode uh, 312, episode. day nine. And this is the one that, as you say, starts with, like, god damn it, this show is naive about America. Because it literally starts with Vinny talking to the statue of Thomas Jefferson about how, like, America hasn't lived up to his ideals. (laughs) He was a slave owner, Vinny. Come on. Yes. No, no, you have to. As I told my students when they were reading Susan Brown Miller, you have to understand that this was the time. This was not an issue yet. Nobody was really talking about it yet. And so generally speaking, he is Thomas Jefferson was still considered an American saint. Yes, I was going to say God next to George Washington, right? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um so yes, this this is this is problem. It is problematic. You can't blame them, in the sense that yeah, this that, was the culture of America at the time. Yes, this is. They are portraying exactly what the culture of America at the mm-hmm. time was. It is not. I mean, they all. I mean, there are still all these people who quote Jefferson, and it has nothing. Like I mean, even then, I mean these property owner things and yeah. All of this, we've all, you know, talked about stuff like that. And it's uh, hero worship. I tell Mm -hmm. you, there is a point to having a monarchy that you can keep in kind of. A constitutional monarch who has no power so people can focus all of their hero worship desires on a king or a queen who doesn't actually do anything and stays out of the way of politics. Yeah, just stays out of politics, and, mm-hmm. and Prince Andrew has had to give back everything. all of his titles, all of his and titles. all of his jobs, and all of his sources of revenue. Thank heavens! Have anything to do with the monarchy? Yeah, uh, yeah. At least we got one good thing this week. You know, and it well, no, I mean, and I think they were just waiting for that. Um, yeah. They knew it was coming, and mm-hmm. um, you know, so yes, okay, this is. I mean, it was already bad. Yeah, but it 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 got a little bit worse, and it's really it's really hard. But you yeah. know, sorry, you know, yeah. Never mind. We're not going down. We're that not going to start talking gonna about back. Jeffrey Epstein on this podcast. Well, except that what was I what was I thinking the other day? Oh, oh, the MS. What MS? Okay, they they, they did a big study in Britain. Um, I sent you up the link. Yeah, yeah. Multiple sclerosis might be this uh, caused by the Epstein Barr no, virus. Not m- might. It's always Is likely. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's the Epstein Barr absolute. And I wrote, I put something on my face. I put it up on my Facebook page and said that Epstein is anybody, old. More. <laughs> I said, does anybody want the name Epstein anymore? <laughs> yep. Anyway, never mind. Um. To get back to this episode, so there they are, 
And yeah. Vinny is going to tell the truth. Yeah, well, Frank off full on says, um, yeah, full on just... says that I didn't have to catch up with you. It's a big city, you know? Maybe I didn't have to catch up with you in time if you want to. And what I love is that implicit in his saying that yeah. is the understanding that Vinny has the resources necessary to flee if he wants to. Well, he already, yeah, and Frank already knows Well, no, that. but I mean, I just love yeah. that all of this talk about Vinny having um, the, like, the capability to do all this is because he has Mel Prophet's money. And the thing is, that's actually true. Yeah, because he got it from, well, not all of it. Roger no, not all of it. Of it. Roger well, no, has Roger has the vast majority of it. But you got to remember, Vinny was constantly getting paid, getting like, because the suitcase of money he got from Roger is what he used to pay for the, the new kidney. Sorry, the new liver, right? But, and this is what is implicit in the episode, you got to remember that Vinny was constantly being handed giant chunks of money. By Mel Prophet all the time. And we were never 100% told how much of that money he actually logged with the government. Oh, <laughs> like, sure. It is, it is not impossible to imagine that Vinny has millions of dollars stashed away somewhere. Oh, well, he would never use it, but... No, but it, it, as, it's there. As Roger, as Roger... But, and the other thing is, is if Vinny had to run, Roger would have come to his aid. Oh, absolutely. The boot, you know? So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of backstops yeah. that he has. Exactly. He has uh, the option to run. He just... Too, too, he believes too much in America to run. <laughs> of course. And when he tells the truth, the truth will be... It will set you free. It will set you free. Yeah. <laughs> that is his belief. That is his 100% belief that if he gets just everybody in a room and has a conversation with them, the truth will set everybody free. And I'm like, ah, the naivete, right? Yep. America, what it does to its, what it does to its people. So, uh, and then the rest of the episode basically is almost entirely, right, this, this trial scene. And this well, is why it's... Four. Well, yeah, but we'll get there when we get there. Okay. It begins but it's like, the trial scene. Yeah, we begin the trial scene, and this is where Admiral Stryken lays out all of this. And remember, this is not a trial trial. This is just people giving testimony for a Senate subcommittee. Yes. Right. In and secret. In oh, Completely in camera, as they say. <laughs> Which literally just means in a room. But, you know, that's another conversation. <laughs> Camera means room, everybody. In case you're wondering what that word means. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so they, they have the thing and they essentially talk about all of the stuff we've already laid out. Right? So how Vinny was set up, how it was Mel Prophet's money that was used to do it. Vernon gets up and he says that, uh, right? And he says that he was so, uh, told to watch Vinny. Right, that he was told to watch Vinny and make sure that, uh, and find out what he was up to. And so it's like, and Vinny, of course, keeps, you know, having outbursts and yelling. And we get a good scene because uh, Vernon had been forced to talk to the attorney general on the plane and the attorney general, you know, and he had given him nothing and he had told him none of this story because, let's face it, they hadn't had their story exactly worked out yet. Him getting caught with the money was not part of the plan. But now he's transformed it into a situation where he found out about the plane by searching where Vinny went, right? 
Yeah. And he track and he used the um the NORAD to track down the plane and he was just investigating it when he got shot. <laughs> and it doesn't look good for Vinny because they say, Why didn't you use NORAD to find the plane? Why didn't you just, you know, if it was a military plane going through military bases, seems like the military could have told you where it was immediately. And of course, they say that, well, they didn't trust General Masters and they thought if they looked for the plane via NORAD, he would get the word and somehow, you know, foil the plan, which of course is exactly what would have happened. But, you know, the the story that Vernon is telling sounds better. <laughs> it sounds better. Like it's it's a more convincing story on its face. And so they're in some real trouble. And Vernon even says that, like, uh, and he's asked, why didn't you tell all uh, me all of this on the plane? He's like, I had just been shot by a couple of, you know, federal agents working for Vinny. And I didn't know who was on the phone with me. I couldn't be sure of anything at that moment. And like, at least it's a plausible story. You yeah. know, <laughs> they do have a plausible story to frame Vinny. <laughs> They've at least got that going for them. Uh, and of course, it's all very frustrating. But the attorney general, to his credit, finds this whole thing incredibly suspicious because, and this is the key part, what no one remembered, like what they didn't remember to do, right, was come up with a motive. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's the problem they get into, is they never thought to come up with a motive for any of this. Yeah, I mean, why would Vinny do this? And as he says, um, what do you call it? Uh, we can't prove Prescott Wilson was involved, but Vinny had the resources to do all of this on his own. And what? And I honestly believe this is the sticking point for the, the Attorney General, is that he doesn't have a motive. There's no reason for any of this to happen. But at the same time, the motive Vinny is suggesting, right, uh, makes a lot more sense to him. But he can't very well go and accuse General Masters. So he's stuck in this weird position where Vinny's story has less evidence, but makes more sense. And there's nothing he can do to act on it, though, because the level of corruption... Uh, and and this is something that will be talked about in a second by the show, like the level of corruption you have to accept exists for Vinny's story to be true is something you would not want to allow into your head as the attorney general of the United States. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so he is put in this impossible position. And it's one of what happens next. The two things that happen next are... I think some of the best written things in the episode. Because Frank goes to see uh Frank goes to see Prescott Wilson and demand that he get off the mountain and say he had nothing to do with this and help Vinny. And Prescott Wilson says he won't do it. But we get the scene of Frank going to ask and you know talk about how his name is being used against him and Prescott Wilson is like I'm out of all of this. I just don't care. And of course uh, Frank is betting that on some level he does care. And it's not a bad scene. It's oh, a good it's scene. Very, yeah, it's, it's a good scene. Fast. Yeah, it is a very good scene, right? And then we get the most pivotal scene in the entire thing, which was set up for last week with the Schwitz scene we talked about, where Vernon and Vinny get placed in the same hotel suite. 
And don't worry, there are guards there, obviously. <laughs> in fact, there's an FBI agent that, that stays in the Yeah, in the room yeah. with them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and he essentially lays out, and we get a great scene where he explains to Vinny, uh, sorry, he plays to Vernon who Vinny is, right? And that his brother was a priest who got murdered by Nazis, right? And the whole thing. And... <laughs> And Vinny, you know, uses his FBI training to say, well, I think I know a lot about Vernon now because you wouldn't have told me all of this stuff, him this, that specific stuff about me, unless he had a religious connection. So I'm guessing his dad was a preacher and so on and so forth. And he goes into Vernon and Vernon doesn't like hearing that he is an open book. He yes, reacts now, quite badly here, to that. Here, fact. Let's bring it back to profiling. Yep. Vinny profiles Vernon. He does. He does. <laughs> It's exactly what he does. Vernon yeah. doesn't like it because as the attorney said, because Vinny said to the attorney general, well, how'd is it I do? How'd, how'd I, I do? do? And yeah. the, close enough. Was close the enough. Yeah, that's the answer. You're close enough. And it's good because Vernon, and this is the thing that Vernon, of course, has always been up against in the kind of job he does. He is being forced to see Vinny as a human being. Yeah. Right? Not just collateral damage he is being forced to ask to look at Vinny as well this is a real person are you going to continue lying on him are you tell you are you going to continue telling these you know horrible stories of this guy that now you know is a real person now you have met and you can ad identify with and you know that leaves a lot for Vernon <laughs> to the point where and the attorney general is like uh, don't close, you know, don't close the bedroom door. I want that door to stay open all night. So neither one of these men can forget the other one is there. Yeah. Oh, and meanwhile, Kay has slit her wrists because she finds out from her attorneys that they're likely going to be indicted over this whole plot to sabotage the Japanese economy. So attorneys tell her this and she slashes her wrists and so the next day, she has been healed up enough to come into the uh, meeting and testify. And unfortunately, uh, she cannot say, there's nothing she can say. Except that my life went to hell the minute I met Vinnie Terranova. I know. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> seriously? This is this okay. is your big takeaway from the past couple of days? Jesus. No, as I said, just it's just a terrible... It's just a terrible character. We're not going to pretend it isn't. Like, let's just, let's move on from her as quickly as possible, possible. shall we? So they it's have just... the last, they have the, the last stick and it looks as if everything is pointing to Vinny. But Vinny gets to make a, uh, what I do love though, is Vinny gets to make his speech. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. He gets to make his Frank Capra speech. Yes. About the value of America and like what we're supposed to stand for. And it's like, again, it's 2022. It's 2022, right? The former president is attempting a fascist coup. He is going across the country, <laughs> literally it, to use, you know, terms of the past, trying to raise an army to have a fascist coup in America. So Vinny's ideas about, you know, talking to Republicans about the value of about the value of democracy is kind of hilarious. Well, I mean, you always have to remember that this is 2022. I know. No, I know. I'm saying, and, and I'm, I'm not going, saying yeah. it's wrong at the time, but spoiler no, no, alert. No, but I'm sort of sitting here going, it, you, 
you watch this and it is so different. That's the only thing I can say about the last, you know, this last watching of this is yeah. that it, it is plays so, so differently. differently. It plays so differently. Yeah. Now in our current that, context, you know, uh, Donald Trump changed. Um, I think a lot of people's evaluation. Yeah. Of sort of the American structures and the American value systems and, on both sides it's not just you know that well to to quote Stuart stevens a guy i don't lie uh, i don't particularly like uh but the title of his book is completely right conservatism was always all a lie like the whole idea that they were just quote-unquote fiscal conservatives who care about responsibility that was all always a lie they were always just racist power elitist mon power hungry monsters and people uh, allowed them to pretend they work. And what Trump did was let them stop pretending. Yeah. You know, conservatives don't have to pretend that they care anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I was just reading a Washington Post article yeah. about Liz Cheney in, in um, um, Wyoming. Yeah. She's probably, I mean, if anything, the big takeaway out of this lengthy lengthy because this guy as he said traveled 2140 miles or 60 <laughs> miles or something around wyoming talking to yeah. people and it, it if you read it you just sort of choke um yeah. she's gonna lose yeah she's gonna probably. lose big time and um you know somebody being butch can cassidy i it was just like oh my well and what's fascinating God. about this show right is that like the stuff, the stuff Vinny believes, the stuff Vinny says about America, like these myths are what like and the idea that America is exceptional in some way, literally the doctrine of American exceptionalism is what it's called. Right. This myth is what has allowed America to sink to the, you know, crumbling state it's currently in. Because it allows them to come up with this, we're the greatest country in the world, so we never even have to admit we have problems, let alone try to do anything about it. Well, great, you know, your your childhood myth uh, belief in these, like, immature stories about America is now putting the entire world at risk. Yeah, it's very interesting, right? It really is, Those all of those those mythologies. Yeah. Um, that people believe. And yes, we're the greatest country in the earth and we're going to take our country back to what? Exactly. And, and, it, I, it, and it's like Vinny's on the right side of this, but his emotional, uh, like his, his emotional obsession with the goodness of America is the kind of thing that keeps allowing America to get out of get out of all of its bad stuff you're like well no there are bad apples right there, there are just bad apples who try to corrupt things america at its core believes in freedom and blah 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 and that's a lie that you know america uses to get away with everything but it is it is the nature of systems absolutely this is a systemic problem mm -hmm. that is structured i mean as as you as you can always say that when they first structured things up, okay, it was for this small elite elite group of people. Yeah. And it was basically very small. 
the number of states. It was this little, it was this massive expansion that made it worse. And there was all the mythology around the expansion, Mm -hmm. you know, that that you took a shot at in King of the Chinaman. Yep. Um, And it, it, it just boggles my mind. I mean, it's just like, but all the, like, come on, you know, the Catholic church does it, you know, all these other countries do it systems do it all institutions do it and what america is is got this institution that even even barack obama i you know he was at some level naive yes he hadn't been around politics long enough to to understand understand that just it was all a lie what is what is more disturbing is that joe biden never got the message really of what has happened in the last 10 years. Yeah, of what the Republican Party is now. There are no good Republicans left. No. You say, what about Liz Cheney? Well, she's in favor of, you know, war and she hates poor people just like the rest of them. The only difference is she's not openly fascist. But that's it. Yeah, and and she basically, as they say, she voted 93% of the time with, with Trump. Trump yeah. and Mitch. And it's only because of the Capitol riots. Yeah. And I'm not but, sure. I mean, who knows? I mean, she's a Cheney, for God's sake. She's a Cheney. You know, her dad is Dick Cheney. Yeah. So, you know, you have to remember some of these things. A literal supervillain who, and this is true, It's this is something that, like, historians are going to be like is this is this accurate uh is is this accurate or is this like satire that we don't really understand now because the man literally doesn't have a heart and in the future people are going to think that's a metaphor but it's not a metaphor he literally doesn't have a heart you can look that up anyway let's it it is you know we but it is what listening to this show yeah in the in the early nineties, was a whole different ball game because even, because even I hate to say it, but even the bushes were just yep. And no, and things went to hell in a handbasket, and you yep. know, Obama. Once Obama couldn't do anything about it. Yep. Because that's when Mitch decided, yes, we're going to filibuster everything. Yeah, we're going to shut down the government. We're going to shut down the government. Rather than do anything a black president wants. Yeah. And if you pretend it's not partially about him being black, you're lying to yourself. And that's exactly the problem. And, you know, um, and, and in that sense, one can feel sorry for Obama. I mean, yeah, it is. You know that that yeah he was in over his head and he yeah. had, and the the idea yes maybe it was the right time for a black man but uh it, it not this black man yeah well but no, he was I mean, the one he was the one that was able to you know rally the troops and he was oh, the yeah. one that believed and he believed yeah. the change would come and mm-hmm. um it did come change did come but it was for the worst 
and it yeah. allowed in the end Donald Trump. Oh yeah, to become all the racists got to get out there and start you know openly waving their Nazi flags. Yeah, and That's exactly it, what happened. And it ended up with the Capitol riot. People don't know what's going to happen once this next election goes. Oh, yeah. It's like... Well, I mean, I'm, the Republicans are openly planning to just have a coup if they lose this next set of elections. Well, yeah. I mean, you're taking the, uh, you know, that road. And I'm I'm still not... I'm not... I mean, again, I can't say, like, you can say I'm being hyperbolic. Like, you can't even say I'm being hyperbolic anymore. Because literally, Donald Trump is going around the country doing, right, doing shows. Yeah. And the message of the show is always, the last election was stolen. We're going to make sure that we take power this next election, no matter well, what Well, that'll happens. be in 2024. No, problem... also in 2022, they're putting in people throughout election boards all across the country right now to try and steal the 2022 and... elections, too. To make sure that that uh, the Senate the, becomes yeah, Republican, be press, Senate becomes Republican, House becomes and Republican, the House, yeah. and re and the important part is Biden never gets another judge. Yeah, because the one thing you can say about Biden is he's put in a lot of judges really quickly. Yeah, he hasn't been letting uh, Republicans slow him down in that front. And there's the one decent no, thing he, you can say about him as a president i think that that he did think that maybe he could talk to mitch that maybe oh, i'm sure he thought that he was just wrong yeah you know? it, he was wrong that it was it it had gotten far worse than he could ever well imagine. i mean the thing is he is a defender he is as much a believer in american exceptionalism as Vinny is yeah and until you attack capital until you're winning to fight back against capital, you're never going to fix America, and he's not willing to fight back against capital. So, you know, uh, as as they always say, fascism is capital is capital's defense. The idea is when things get bad enough that the world that the workers start taking things seriously and trying to organize and trying to change things, that's when fascism fascism appears specifically to take away all of the rights that workers have. Yes, and make sure that capital... Anyway, never mind. Let's hey, hey, re remember the poem? I'm just saying, remember the poem. Re remember who the Nazis went after. They went after the trade unionists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't like workers. Re fascism comes in as a, we're going to take out the elites party. You need us because these, uh, these rich elites, they're the ones ruining everything. But that's always a lie. The minute they get into power, they just start privatizing everything. Well, this is how or, fascism has worked every time we've seen it. Yes, or uh, they work. I mean, the the real exception with, or the real thing with Germany was that in Germany, right? It it was so they were so embedded together. Yep. That you can't, they didn't have to privatize in that sense. You know? They still, the weird part is, they still did, though. Like, they sold off a whole bunch of government industries to private concerns. Their friends. Yeah, who were all their friends. Yeah, well, but yes. yeah, that's what all fascists do. You know, I mean, so the money people put the fascists in power, and then the power just hands all the government o uh, over to the money people. Like, that's just... That's the story of fascism. It's also the story of America. Wonder if that's a coincidence. Anyway, uh, so Vinny makes his big speech, and we get the uh, we get how this is about to resolve, which is 
the attorney general knows damn well, right, that Vinny didn't do this. He knows damn well this is all a plan by Leland Masters, but he's never going to be able to prove it. So his solution? Just just cover it up. Yeah. Well, Vinny, Vinny says, no. No, well, no. And he says, can you can you sit on this? Can yeah. you not talk about this? And he's like, not and still believe in America, I can't, which is his way of saying no in a really dramatic way. <laughs> and so and the attorney general says, OK, here's the deal. You still work for the FBI. You have no responsibilities. You have no duties. You're never, you know, you're never going to do anything for the FBI, but you still work there. You're paid. You will get a paycheck every two weeks. You will have a full pension. But for the rest of the, your life, you will be bound by the oath you took to the FBI and you will never be allowed to talk about any of this. And that's the attorney general's solution. And if you do, we will come down hard. Yeah, as hard as possible on you. Yeah. And that's the attorney general's solution because, and this is the key part at this point. All he wants is to make sure this doesn't get embarrassing because he's told, you know, that what would this do if if it became public that the American government, elements within the American government was trying to destroy the Japanese economy. What would that do to our economic relations, like all of our international relations? And they're like, it would cripple it for a generation. And he's like, OK, well, then the only thing that matters is that we cover this up. Yeah. And then... And, and then, then Prescott goes. Wilson, oh yes, Leland decides to leave and make a little speech. So it's like, well, you got off easy for treason, Terra Nova. Yeah, and he decides to leave, and lo and behold, he opens the door and, and in walks the hero of the hour, Prescott Wilson. Actually, does show up. He listened to Frank. He believed what Frank told him, and he's like. Fine. So he walks in, he and gives a little speech. Inside, wait yeah. a second. Deep down Please. inside, I'm sure he thought he could finally get Leland Masters. Oh, absolutely he wants to get and hates. we find out why. Yeah. And we find out why, which is, and I mean this doesn't make him hate. sound like a great guy, but basically I don't know how much you know, dear listener, about the Bay of Pigs. But the idea was the CIA got a bunch of expatriates together. Uh, and uh, by expatriate, I mean Cuban expats. I should have made that yeah. absolutely clear. Yeah. Cuban expats together, trained them, give the, gave them guns, right? And sent them off to conquer Cuba. And it didn't go well. Uh, they were all brutally slaughtered literally the moment they got there. Because, and this is the key part, the CIA had essentially done this not entirely behind Kennedy's back, but largely behind Kennedy's back. And they thought if we put him with a fait accompli, right? And say the invasion is happening. Well, then you are going to like, then he would just be obliged to come in and give full U.S. military uh, support to the invasion. Particularly air support clearly air support to blow up all of their vehicles, take out all their artillery and make sure the landing force got there safely. But the diff, but Kennedy didn't do it because Leland masters told him, told not, him not, to. not to. Yep. And for this and Prescott Wilson says, and I don't want to know what you did in the Vietnam, the Vietnam war. war. I know. But the key part is, and the reason um, he's involved in this is quite simply because 
the CIA, and this is, I mean, you can look into it, the CIA used entirely private money and boats and vehicles to do the training. Like, they didn't use government money for the most part. That's how secret this was. Um, George Bush famously helped plan the Bay of Pigs using his oil companies. Because even when he wasn't in the CIA, he was in the CIA. Yes, obviously Prescott Wilson did too. Oh, yeah. And that's that's the <laughs> message here. The Prescott Wilson was 100 percent dedicated to the uh, the overthrow of Castro. Yeah. And he feels that he was betrayed by Leland Masters. And yeah. that's why he's wanted revenge all these years, because Leland Masters gave up on Cuba. And I'm like, yeah. I want to be on your side. <laughs> I want to be on your side, uh, Prescott <laughs> Wilson. But. That's a pretty bad opinion to have. Well, that's a, that's a pretty bad reason. <laughs> but, but I'll take I'll take the win, but I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. It's like it's a it's like when the worst person in the world is on your side, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, like, again, it's like Dick Cheney standing up to Trump. When the yes. worst person in the world is on your side. Yeah. This is that same kind of situation. And the minute, and he literally, he's like, I won't be questioned. You've just all heard my statement. I'm leaving now. Don't talk to me about this again. And he walks right back out. Yeah. And this makes Leland Masters freak out. Yeah. He can't, he can't hold it well, together. Because anymore. remember, remember what Prescott Wilson does right at the end. Leland. Do you still have that nightmare about the lions? Lions tearing you apart. Where the lions tear you apart. Yeah. And that, that, that is the thing that obviously... That sets him off. Yeah. yeah. Because he can't allow anyone to think of him as weak. That's the one thing he can't. Because of this thing called toxic masculinity. Yeah. He cannot, he cannot like, let loose this visual of himself as a man of history for a moment. And he starts to freak out. Everything is falling apart. The Everything is falling Wilson apart. Showed up and said, I never commissioned that. I never had anything to do with this. Yep. And yeah, and his and entire and it turns out the entire plan was based on the idea that they could trust that Prescott Wilson would never get off his mountain so they could say whatever they wanted about him and he would never contradict them. Yeah. And now that that's gone, the entire plan has fallen apart. And Vernon is like, okay, um, I'm willing to talk. Yeah. He stands up, said, I lied. Yeah. It was all a lie. I did it all. I, I hired someone to shoot Valenti. I moved the money. All of it was ordered by Admiral Stryken. Yeah. And then Leland shoots Admirals. <laughs> well, yeah, because Admiral Stryken is immediately ready to turn on, uh, <laughs> immediately ready to turn on, uh, the min on on masters because of course you masters, know, like yeah. the game's over might as well make your yeah. deal yeah and it turns out masters had a gun and shoots him dead yep Whew. it's all going down now uh so yeah we get literally and by the way this is also in case you haven't seen the movie this is exactly how mr smith goes to washington ends not, I mean, not the stuff about there being a conspiracy to attack Japan, but literally with a guy making a big speech that changes everyone's minds and then a corrupt senator shoots himself. Yeah. Like, this is exactly like when they make the Capra comments at the beginning, 
it's because they are planning to just do Capra. Yeah. At the end. Yeah, and it, and and they're but Lil and Master, so he's going to shoot himself. And Vinny says, "You don't have the nerve." Yeah, you don't have. And it turns to do. out he doesn't. And he's right. Yeah. yeah, he puts down the gun. He lets himself be arrested, and that's that. It's over. Yep. And so we get one more scene where, and this is this is where the show really really messes up. It really messes up in the last scene. I know, I know, and it's why, and it's why you have to just like you can't you can't like the epi- the like you have to in the end not like the arc overall because of how badly it screws up this final scene and the message we're expected to come away with, which is for, it was comes the system worked, but Pike's but Pike's mouth of all things, I the know. system worked. No, it didn't. Say what? Like, if the system working requires a famous billionaire recluse to do something out of the goodness of his heart, that's not a system worth preserving. But yeah, like, they try to leave us with the message that because the Attorney General followed his gut instinct about people, and because Leland Masters uh you know had a me- an emotional breakdown that means the system worked yeah. and it isn't the system that worked it is the people that were in places of power yes that managed to make a difference because of course prescott wilson has power but yes. those are individual people that is not the system exactly the system worked for leland masters and it yep. would have worked perfectly if there were only two things that went wrong Number one was the Karari, and number yep, yep. two was Prescott Wilson came out of Being willing to get off the mountain. Yeah. Got off the mountain. And had neither of those things happened, this plan would have worked. So no, Frank is completely wrong. Yeah, the system the didn't system. work. People nope. with power in important positions overrode the system. Yep. The system was ready to completely destroy Vinny and Japan. And it's only that people put themselves at risk and fought against the system that it worked. So, yes, it is hard to listen to Frank saying. Oh, it it is just, I don't know how he said those lines after that episode. I know. know, Vinny is being, Vinny is finally, finally showing a little bit of um, cynicism. Yep finally figuring out the way the world has worked this whole time, finally figuring out that, and I know I've been saying this for three seasons now, Sonny Steelgrave was right. (laughs) The rich create. And so ultimately... So was Albert Sirico. So was Albert Sirico. The rich rich make laws laws. to protect their power. And he's like, I don't have any respect for those kinds of laws. I have respect for the laws that you keep your word and you try to do right by people who are people of respect. And the thing is, Albert's way of looking at the world is what motivated the attorney general. Yeah. He is a man of respect, you know, treating other people with the respect they deserve, not what the law says to do. Again, Albert's, I mean, again, we can, 
I know it's it's my joke that the my takeaway from the first arc is Albert Sirico did nothing wrong, but people working on Albert's worldview is what saves Vinny's career in this episode. Yeah. So it's not that much of a joke. You know? God, it's a fascin it's fascinating how much they botch it right at the end. It's and like I don't know why they botched it. Like, I don't know why, because there is nothing up to this point that would get, that would lead you to believe that this is the worldview of Canal at all. No. Again. And so look did at Dirty the, Little Wars. Okay. So, so here's the situation. Did the network step in? Well, I, I think they might have, because spoiler alert. We're about we're going to we're going to do two weeks. And in those two weeks, we're going to talk about three episodes. We're going to devote two to the ones that don't really matter. And including <laughs> Romp, arguably the worst episode of How Wise Guy ever. <laughs> right. And then the other one is going to be uh, devoted to one of the best filler episodes they ever did, because it is it is about character and it is about consequence. and It is about the fact that your actions follow you. Yeah. Right. And it's a it's a great episode. And I'm not saying anything more than that, but there's a reason we're going to give it its whole episode all to itself. But the key is right. Then we are going to watch the last seven episodes. And it's going to sound weird to describe it this way, but like five of those episodes, the first five of those episodes are a narrative arc that can debatably be called to use the modern parlance. Wise guy gets woke. <laughs> or conversely, uh, Sonny Steelgrave was right about everything he said. And that is the message of five of the last seven episodes of Wise Guy. And then the last two episodes, I, I'm not spoiling anything to say, they are about disabusing you of any notion of that the mafia is a glamorous thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then it's like, it. Uh, they're like, oh my God, this might be our last seven episodes ever. As much as anyone, we have glamorized the mafia. We can't ethically continue to do that. Let's make the whole last segment of the show about how not glamorous the mafia is. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go any further into it than that. I, I think you'll enjoy it, but these episodes are, as you can hear, it's an interesting spy story, but there is so much questionable writing getting the spy story going that it massively hurts it. And the ending it comes to, the conclusion oh. it comes to is so patently wrong and obviously wrong that you can't, you can't let them get away with it. Okay, let's stop now, Dan. All right, we are stopping that now. Is the I know, that confusing. is the final statement. That is the most confusing thing you have ever said about this show up to this I point. apologize, I apologize. Talking no, about I, just, talking. I think it's, I, I just think it's worth always remembering that it's like, they, they really, they had a place here. And that's what makes this arc so tragic, is they had a place here to like make a follow-up statement to Dirty Little Wars. Yes. Yes. Right. And they didn't and, do it. And they copped out at the last minute. Yeah. 
And the question is, why did they pop out? So we'll yeah. figure it out. Hopefully I mean, one day we will figure out why they so profoundly copped out at the last moment yeah. of this story. But they did. Like, you have a final scene that is supposed to tell you. And they put it in Frank's mouth. That's what Frank's I don't mouth. understand. The guy who's the most cynical about the government. Because he's worked there for so long. Because he's the one that tells Vinny, look, you're the fall guy. Yeah. It's not Kate Gallagher. You're the fall guy. Yeah. All of you this. You think they would like, ever forgive you for losing Haiti? Of course they'll never forgive you for losing Haiti. This has all been about you, Vinny. Yep. Nothing else. Uh, it's, it's, it's at least worth watching. But God, is there must be a story behind there. That end, yes. Yeah, behind how badly they botched that ending. All right. So uh, that is that. Join us back here next week, confusingly, uh, for Meet Mike McPike. And then we're going to skip over to Dying Bettendorf and watch Romp. And then we'll come back to Dying Bettendorf in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, whoo, doggy. It's, yes. it's frustrating. <laughs> No, and um, well, we can because you can do the because they're all sort of filler episodes, and so yeah. you can watch them separately. separately. And then we go from Bettendorf into Lynchboro, the final story arc. The final story arc, and Lynchboro is, yeah, I mean, it's still, oh, geez, it holds up. David Strathrain, it's amazing. Um, it is amazing. William Russ. William um, Russ, um, the the guy again who uh, who has never been uh, like the guy who was the one guy in the police story squad who never got an episode about his character, right? Because the the whole squad, even Billy Campbell, got like an episode about his character when that childhood friend of his had become yeah. a prostitute and he tried to save her. That one of them never got a story. And they, as I guess, as a way of apologizing, he gets to play Mark in the Lynchboro arc. And it's it's one of the best performances Wise Guy ever gets. Um, it's such a showcase for him, and it's such a beautiful performance. Like, we'll it's talk. absolutely a showcase part. I, I love him in this. But anyway, everybody's great in this. And as you said, David Strathairn! Like, this is how we found out about the actor David Strathairn is how good he is in these two episodes. Well, but when... And the next when year... Is, the, when, the next when, year, that's my point. Next year was... The, the year after this, uh, he was in this. Ah, that's when sneakers. sneakers. Oh. Yeah, and that's when everybody else found it. Who didn't watch Wise Guy found out about him. Yeah. Yeah, he had done indie movies, he'd done small things, but Wise Guy was his first, like, major... Everyone's paying attention to this guy, and then he immediately got sneakers. I'm not saying they're... Yeah. exactly related i'm just saying casting directors paid attention to wise guy and mate mate one was before yeah sneakers uh, yeah because yeah no because he had always worked with john sales yeah yeah no madawan was fantastic but it, he played um he played the sheriff in, in case people yeah. haven't seen madawan he played the heroic sheriff in madawan and that's right there was a heroic sheriff yeah I know that sounds crazy who got assassinated by, you know, mining company gun thugs. But that's yeah. another conversation. The Pinkertons. Yeah. He was an actual McCoy of the Hatfields and the McCoys. 
uh, it was a Hatfield. Hatfield. No, he was a Hatfield. He was an actual Hatfield with the Hatfield McCoys, and he was a gunslinging sheriff who uh, shot a bunch of mine employees when they tried to uh, take over a town. So yeah, and he he plays him beautifully. Like uh, this guy is one of the great labor heroes of America, and he plays him beautifully in that uh, yeah. in that movie. Oh, no, it's well, a, as my class, that one's said, a great movie. Yeah. Well, as my class said when we watched it. And I asked them, how would you redo it? Because they did find it a little slow. Of course. The the film. And um, the, oh, anyway, never mind. Um, but, and some of them said, yes, but they should have ended it with the shot of him being assassinated. I know. That would have just been just at the end, right? That li- one little kick at the that end. That one little kick would have ended it so much more perfectly. More effectively, yeah. Yeah. Well, and an interesting thing, and this is the last thing I'll say, because now we're talking about Matawan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matawan, as they call it. Matawan, yeah. Uh, one thing I will mention that you would have to address today, yeah. which they didn't address at the time because historians hadn't figured it out yet, uh, is, spoiler alert, um, women whose husbands couldn't work were forced into sexual slavery by the mine company. Yeah, don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. And the thing is, that's something historians only found out about, really, in the 90s. Yeah. It's, spoiler it's, alert, they didn't write that stuff down. No, but, it, and it, the funny thing is, is though, you can, you wonder. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and anyway, never mind. We're not, we're not here to talk about. No, we talk about Matawan, but yeah. No. Okay. But it's like that is that okay. is the one giant oversight that but it's because the people writing it just didn't know about it at the time. Yeah. They just didn't know yet. There's, there's mean, all sorts of things that keep coming up. And, oh yeah. Um and, well we've no, no, it's it's I'm, fascinating. I'm it sure is we, Yeah. I I was going to say I'm sure I've talked about uh the Alamo. Oh god, yeah, no, we have. On the uh, uh, yeah, American myth making. Yeah, when I talked about American myth, yeah, I did a film course on American myth making. Yeah, and the Alamo's and one the of the greatest examples of that ever. Yeah, and then Billy the Kid. And then Billy the Kid. Yeah. And of course, there's the, uh, and uh, one last recommendation, then we're going to go. I know I've recommended this before, but since we're talking about American myth and the lie of America, and that's what this whole arc should have been about, but it loses <laughs> it at the last moment, just go watch Ravenous. It's the best movie ever made about what America means. It's called Ravenous. It's about what America means. And it is uh, the greatest horror, gay horror love story of all time. And that's saying something. (laughs) Never mind. I'm not sure that most people could stomach Ravenous. (laughs) I know. Come on. It's a a brutal cannibalism horror comedy that's also a beautiful uh, gay love story. So just... Just watch the movie. That's all I'm saying. Oh, jeez. Just, just watch the movie. You owe it to yourself. All right, that'll be that. Thank you for letting me get away with that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Don't think I don't. All right, so we're going to go. But first, uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to watch, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If um, you're going to be back here on, sorry, if you're listening to this on some sort of an app or pod catcher, please rate and review. That's how new people find the show. And of course, if you are enjoying Vincenzo, join us back here on Tuesday for that. 
And then, of course, back here on Wednesday for the next episode of Wise Guy, which once again is Meet Mike McPike and Romp. Yeah. See you back here for that. But until then, au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.